0: Welcome to the first episode of our 27th series, everyone. This series is both a little different and very similar in many ways. Uh, first, we welcome Alex Flanagan to join us as the guest co-host filling in for Amelia due to a family emergency. Uh, and we wanted to take a moment to thank Alex immensely for stepping in literally at the last minute to record the series.
3: Yes, thank you, Alex.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, Alex, if you aren't aware, is the keeper for the One-Shot Network podcast, A Horror Borealis, which is a Monster of the Week actual play that is really amazing and worth checking out if you haven't yet. Uh, And Alex is also one of the two hosts, along with Addison Peacock, of the Cryptid Keeper podcast, a podcast about cryptids and other folklore and mythological creatures. Uh, I also highly recommend checking them out as well. Uh, as for our guest this series, we welcome my best friend, Adam Stewart. Uh, Adam and I go back all the way to first grade when we were <laughs> first aware of one another. Uh, but oddly enough, we actually knew each other as babies. Um,
3: really? Like,
0: yeah. My my brother, uh, who was about five and a half years older than me, uh, was babysat by uh, Adam's mom since they were neighbors for a bit. Ooh. And apparently we knew each other before we were one years old. Wow, small world. Yeah, it's bizarre. Uh, but yeah, he, he doesn't have any projects out there. He's not big on social media, but uh, he is uh, an expert at guiding people through this game. Uh, so it, it was really good to have him on. And this is his first podcasting experience, so.
3: Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, I'm sorry so, I missed it. Unfortunately, yeah, it was, I had less fun things going on, but yeah. what can you do?
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, But I I think the episodes uh, turned out really well and I can't wait for you to hear them, Amelia, and for everybody else here to hear them as well. I'm excited. Mm -hmm.
3: The Kickstarter for Courier's Call is just about 48 hours left at the time of this recording. Uh, So if you haven't checked that out, now is your chance. Courier's Call is an all-ages podcast set in the world of Skyjacks, which we covered in Series 26. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic show, and the Kickstarter's already been funded, so don't miss your chance to get some of the cool perks for being a backer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and another really cool thing that you could do uh, that would really make things a bit brighter for all of us in the uh, Waves Hands Aimlessly uh you know times that we're in wildly uh, gesticulating
3: uh, this this uh, whole thing
0: th- this whole everything going on yeah uh, is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts PodChaser uh, and or the review platform of your choice uh, and seriously if you uh, leave them in multiple places we'll read them in multiple places now uh, we're, just we're desperate it's fun. Uh, we only have one left after today's review.
3: So please get on it. Please, please, please. Please Please do this for us. Absolutely. So I'm going to read this review from Womp Dank, I assume. And that's how I'm going to say it (laughs) um, from the United States on iTunes titled Actual Play from a Unique and Refreshing Angle. Whenever I'm curious about an RPG, the first thing I do is look up how character creation is handled. Who can I be? What can I do? How do the rules encourage me or hold me back? Character Creation Cast operates on that exact premise, making new characters in a new system every month. Amelia and Ryan have introduced me to some of my all-time favorite games, which I'm grateful for. The tone is extremely positive, and the hosts are just nice to listen to. It's a real uplifting vibe, y'all.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you so much. That was very nice.
3: We're glad that we can be uplifting in all of
0: this. Yeah. Hands waving. Hands waving everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome well i guess with all of that out of the way uh let's get on with the show shall we enjoy Welcome to Character Creation Cast, a show where we discuss and create characters, the best part of role-playing games, with guests using their favorite systems. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan, and this episode, Amelia was not able to join us due to a family emergency, uh, but we are excited to welcome Alex Flanagan, co-host of the Cryptid Keeper podcast and GM of the A Horror Borealis podcast, to fill in for Amelia. And we are here together to welcome my best friend in actual real life, Adam Stewart, to talk about Beyond the Wall, a fantasy genre RPG by Flatland Games.
1: Welcome to Character Creation Cast, Adam. We are so glad you could join us.
2: Thank you. Glad to to be here
1: let's start by uh, introducing you to our audience. Adam, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and maybe just sort of spitballing here? Any like really embarrassing stories that you have about Ryan?
2: Sure. Sure. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I've been um, playing games with Ryan for, for quite a while and known him uh, since the first grade. So um, I don't, as far as embarrassing stories, uh, in all the years I've known him, he's never done or said anything uh, uh, that wasn't of the, the highest level of dignity. So I have absolutely nothing uh, to say in regards to that. Well,
1: that's extremely I'll kind you and your... very anticlimactic, yeah. but we'll take what we
0: can get. <laughs> I'll get your check to you later. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and Alex, can we introduce you to our audience in case they are not familiar with you or your award-winning work?
1: Well, you certainly can, although I think you really hit all the interesting points already. Uh, So I am half of the Cryptid Keeper podcast, which is a podcast where my co-host Addison Peacock and I every week talk about a new uh, cryptid, usually, or just another folkloric or mythological creature. Um, We've been going for like a hundred and some episodes. So eventually you run out of things that are strictly in the realm of cryptid and we start to get (laughs) a little bit fast and loose with the definition, but that's a lot of fun. And then um, as mentioned, I am the keeper for a horror Borealis, which is a monster of the week, actual play podcast on the one shot network, Mm
0: -hmm. which I thoroughly enjoy. Uh, And I'm not just saying that because I'm now the editor.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You spend more time listening to it than probably anybody
0: else. Uh, I mean, that's probably fair.
1: (laughs) You probably spend more time on a horror Borealis than I
0: do. That's also probably fair. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into this and we will start by discussing what this game is all about. What's in a game? All right. Uh, Adam, you want to go ahead and tell us a bit about the setting for Beyond the Wall?
2: Sure. So Beyond the Wall is a um, uh, going to be like a low fantasy um, type of setting. Um, so it's very... In a lot of ways, it's much like your, your classic uh, role-playing games. The world itself is up to um, the, the players and the, the uh, game master to create together. But that, that would be the general setting of uh, low fantasy, I, w- I would call it. Mm-hmm. It, it, it feels very d and d light to me. Yeah, and I think in um, the book itself they describe that that it's heavily based off of uh, early Dungeons and Dragons with um, a lighter rule set. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm um, I'm sort of breaking script immediately here, but yeah, what is your personal connection to the game? Can you just tell us a little bit about like why you're here talking with us about this specific game instead of some other game?
2: Yeah. Beyond the Wall is um, a game I discovered maybe a year or so ago. Um, I was looking for something, um, my daughter's 10. I was looking for mm-hmm. a game. Um, I just wanted to kind of bring some people together, introduce some new players, and I was looking for games that might be good for um, younger players or new players and in, in introducing. And I don't re- recall exactly where I had first seen uh, Beyond the Wall, and I know. It it the description of it intrigued me, and the rule set was light enough that I thought it would be a good game system for somebody just learning. Mm-hmm.
1: Cool. Is it one that you play like somewhat regularly? Is it is it like sort of an old familiar favorite that you keep coming back to? Or
2: yeah. So uh, actually. Uh, I game master a group that Ryan is in that we mm-hmm. um, have a campaign going on. Oh, okay. uh, right well, now, so, somebody yeah.
1: buried the lead and didn't, didn't give me that part of the show yeah. First,
2: really cool. <laughs> yeah, so, but it's been one of my favorites, I, I think that I've ever mm-hmm. that I've ever played. I I absolutely thoroughly enjoy the system
0: as well. It's uh, it's interesting because like in D and D, you go out adventuring and you just kind of keep going, uh, and by Beyond the Wall, it, it very much feels like you have a home base in this village that you create together. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of uh, go out and do some stuff and then come back. And you kind of keep getting brought back to this the central village, which is a home for all your characters. Mm -hmm. That's
1: really neat. That's something that I have to say. I'll preface this by saying I do not have... Many terribly kind things to say about D&D. So I'm not going (laughs) to go down that road, but that's something that I find kind of lacking in D&D for me personally. And this is not necessarily like a fault that everybody will have with the game, but for me, I I really like stories that explore community. And I I, like, it's something Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of my life thinking about, but I, I really enjoy stories that sort of deal with like interpersonal relationships and sense of place and sense of belonging and like what it means to participate in a community or a town or a village like that. And so I think that's something that's really, really interesting that games like D&D or that sort of pay homage to that whole like, quote unquote, murder hobo idea where you just go out (laughs) and you just have a bunch of adventures and sort of consequences be darned. Those things don't matter to you after you leave the screen. Like I think Mm -hmm. that is missing such an interesting part of storytelling. So that's really neat. I like that this game leans into that.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So what sort of things do we need to actually play this game, like from a hardware standpoint? um, You know, sense of adventure and, uh, you know, gumption and willingness to make friends aside. Like, what do we actually physically need in front of us to play this game? What does it run on?
2: It's going to be uh, all the traditional stuff. So you're going to want to have uh, dice and um, pencil and paper uh, as we go. Um, In terms of books, uh, it's... Really easy to get, purchase a, a PDF, or you can get the hard copy of the book. And then the, there's some extra stuff that uh, the game master may want to have uh, ready to go um, as well. There's going to be, um, and we, I guess, to go into a little bit further into what Beyond the Wall entails. One of its strengths is that it's uh, really good for kind of pick up and play so what we'll we'll kind of go in that into that in more detail but there's going to be what's called uh, scenario packs so um a dungeon master game master is going to want to have that um ahead of time they're going to want to know um, which which one they're going to use and, and kind of have those documents ready ready to go
1: what array of dice do you use in this game is it everything from a d4 up to a d20 or is it like a d6 standard set
2: yep d4 through d20 yep
1: cool Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so I, I think one set of polyhedrals is all you all you really need for the most part. Yeah, you can you yeah. can get by on on pretty much that. Yep. Hmm. Pretty cool. Uh, so what sort of stories and themes uh, do you think this game is meant to explore?
2: So the the source material, the authors talk about this uh, in in the book a bit, um, where the it, I guess what it inspired it. There's a couple um, different pieces of literature one is uh Ursula Le Guin's uh earthsea novels um and the other is Lloyd Alexander's Chronicles of Pradane. um I myself have uh after picking this up and and uh, looking at um at the material I, I read um one of the Chronicles of Pradane books but basically what those uh, the kind of the themes of those stories are going to be young adventurers, um, very uh, untested. Um, oftentimes, they're um, somewhat uh, mundane to begin with, and mm-hmm. then um, uh, them being maybe pulled into um, pulled into adventure and kind of going from there. So it it has that that same uh, flavor, I guess. The, the, this game does.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I think I picked up on that quite a bit when we were uh, playing our campaign. Uh, Where we were just kind of this ragtag crew of villagers Mm -hmm. and uh, and were kind of thrown into the the depths of adventure uh, by happenstance, which was really cool. Mm -hmm.
1: Are either of you familiar with the um, like limited run animated show over the garden wall?
2: I have heard of it. I am not.
1: So it's really, really cool. Um, it's a beautiful piece of animation. It's a mini-series, it's like extremely autumnal energy. So um sometime this fall, like look for it. You can find the whole thing on YouTube or elsewhere. I, I don't know exactly which streaming platform it's on. It's Cartoon Network, but um you can find the whole thing and, and binge through it in maybe two or three hours. The episodes are really short, but oh, wow. really, really fantastic. Um the reason I bring it up is just because And this conversation is going to dead end a little bit since neither of you are actually familiar with it. It was just going to be a side tangent. (laughs) But anyway, I found out, um, actually, once you sent me the name, I I realized that it sounded familiar. And I checked, and I actually have Beyond the Wall in, like, my Google Drive of games that I have purchased. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't remember why I got it. And I think it was because my friends and I were looking for some new games at some point to run, like, some just... Spin off adventures in, and we were all really, really into Over the Garden Wall at the time, and the name sounds kind of familiar. The game <laughs> and the story really don't have anything to do with each other, except that in Over the Garden Wall, part of what happens is these two young boys, one of whom is like older middle school, high school aged, and he has a much younger stepbrother who's probably like mid elementary school maybe um get thrown into this like weird fantasy dreamscape world where it's like very sort of standard low fantasy like they're they're wandering from village to village and there's are sort of like creepy strange things going on there's one where mm-hmm. they encounter this town full of people who are all dressed in like pumpkin and straw mm-hmm. and it turns mm-hmm. out they're all like dead. They're all skeleton people who are like wearing pumpkins and scarecrows and it's just like very strange and off balance. But there's one town that they stop in, which is like this little, you know, hovel and off to the side where everything is like cobblestone and thatched roofs. And they stop in this pub where everybody who is in there like has to be a certain character trope that fills a <laughs> role in the village. And they get like really confused when these two stumble in and they're like, well, what like who are you? What do you do? And he's like, oh my name's Wert. And they're like, no 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 that's not what we're asking you. Like who are you? Like, this is the shoemaker. He makes shoes. I'm the the barkeeper who delivers exposition. This is the highwayman. <laughs> he like robs everybody. Like, what's your deal? So I think that's kind of neat. Um, And it's just like a connection that I made as I was skimming through the game book itself and like the character archetypes. And I think that mm-hmm. idea of like archetype and community is really, really interesting in a fantasy game. It's a cool thing to explore that sort of goes mm-hmm. beyond like how do you hit things or what kind of monsters are you good at fighting to be more like what role do you serve in this group Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely and that's the 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 title beyond the wall um is uh alluding to that the heroes are um most of them are going to be from that village they've Rarely, mm-hmm. if ever, left that village, um, you know, during their lives, and something is um, br- is um, distressing their little hamlets, and and that's what's causing them to need to now go beyond the borders of that uh, that hamlets mm-hmm. and and, um, and into that dangerous world outside and and yeah. beyond the wall.
1: Cool. That's mm-hmm. a very like tried and true YA premise, you know, Mm -hmm, you're mm -hmm. like here in this insular space and now you have to go be someone, something else out there. And like, Mm -hmm. here are all these undefined circumstances. So you have this chance to sort of figure out what that is, which is really neat. Right. Mm -hmm. So we've talked about this to a certain extent. I feel like we've gotten a feel for this question already, but what do characters do in this game? You've alluded to the fact that they're sort of intra-community portions and like external portions
2: mm-hmm. is that
1: something that the game intentionally explores
2: yes yeah uh, the, the the character growth and and having to um go into the world and and whatnot yeah that would be uh, I, I would say that'd be accurate yep
0: mm-hmm. so i i know the the answer to this question a little bit uh but what
2: do you think is uh the most unique thing about beyond the wall well, beyond the wall, where it really where it really shines, in. and so uh, you can uh, there's rules for character building and traditional campaigns. So if you ever just wanted to use a system that's just um, similar to the traditional, um, maybe Dungeons and Dragons style, you can do that. But really, where it shines and, and what the intention of when it was made is that is that it it's um, gives you all the tools to really pick up and play and do um, they say in about three to five hours, you can do everything from character creation. The game master can put together a game and uh, have a full blown adventure kind of in, in one evening. So um, it, it gives you those tools with the playbooks, which is what you use to make your characters. And then, mm-hmm. um, and then also with the scenario uh, pack. So that's really where it kind of, um, it, it, it kind of shines, I'd say.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I also love the the collaborative world building aspect. Yeah, love this game. Yep. Um, which when you're when you're talking about like traditional esque uh, RPGs like D and D and whatnot, uh, a lot of the world building is up to the game master mm-hmm. to create everything, and then you're just kind of playing around in it. But this one, uh, it pretty much gives a lot of the world building reins to the players mm-hmm. right off the bat. Yes. Um. And and they get to make a lot of like both little and big decisions
2: on on what like the world and the village looks like. Yes. Yep. Yeah. In in that, uh, gives some of that that heavy lifting goes you know from the game master to the players and and it does that really well. And then of course I don't know how much we'll kind of go into. They have the the other um, there is a second book that, that um, they published called Further Afield and that allows mm-hmm. you, if you wanted to go into a full-blown campaign, and, and Ryan and I are kind of exploring this right now with our group, but um, mm-hmm. the um, you can actually do the whole world building together kind of collaboratively and whatnot. So yeah. everybody gets a say in, in what kind of, what kind of world is uh, that they're playing in and what kind of adventures that they're going to be going on and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm.
1: That's really neat. It mm-hmm. sounds like a game that stands really well on its own and I don't want to diminish mm-hmm. that, but I just wanted to comment that it sounds like beyond the wall could be a really incredible sort of, Training Wheels game, whether mm-hmm. to, like, get your D&D-loving friends into something that's a little bit further afield, maybe. Like, mm-hmm. you you hook them in with the fantasy that everybody really wants and, and feels like tabletop games are supposed to be, I think, at a certain point in their journey. Mm-hmm. And then you sort of can gear it in this direction of like okay but maybe like what do different stories look like that we have like these familiar dice we have Mm -hmm. dragons we have like rogues and bards and adventurers and and all of that stuff feels good to you how can we maybe start to take this in a different direction Mm -hmm. or similarly for people who are like really intimidated by the scope and magnitude, and maybe like pre expectations of what D and D is as a stand-in for all tabletop games, this could be a really nice option to show some people. Like, listen, this has all the things that maybe you think you want tabletop games to be, but it doesn't have to be like really crunchy and super complicated, mm-hmm. and everybody telling you exactly what things look like. Like, you can have a little bit more give and take, a little bit more buy-in, and still get somewhere that tells a story that you think you want to be telling.
0: Yes, yeah, absolutely. Neat. Um yeah.
1: So I have a little bit of history about the game and these are all just facts that I'm reading from a document that was compiled for me just to pull back the curtain a little bit. I didn't do this <laughs> research so I take no um I take no credit for it but I also take no blame for anything that's wrong. <laughs> So, the main game was released in 2014, so actually comparatively recent, all things considered, Mm -hmm. by Flatland Games, and contains six playbooks and everything you need to play and create a village. The main long-form campaign supplement called Further Afield was released the following year, in 2015, and contained a lot more options for your characters, as well as expanded on that collaborative world-building process that we talked about. Mm -hmm. Multiple other supplements and playbook packs have been released as well, and are pretty easy to find on drive rpg
0: yeah and they, they have a lot of free stuff as well uh, a lot of little freebies that you can get I, I believe there's some free extra characters that you can download cool. mm-hmm. um there's some pay what you want stuff on drive mm-hmm. uh for different character playbooks um and we'll probably talk about this a little bit once we create characters but like you can create your own playbooks in this game uh, as part of the rules um, like all the playbook options that we're going to be going through, kind of, um, are all just kind of optional things. Uh, and the actual, like, core rules of the game are like, you get these three classes, here's how to mix them together, mm-hmm. cool. which is really cool. All right. Uh, Well, before we get into that character creation process, uh, there's a few basic terms and concepts that uh, I'd like to go over. Um, I know there is uh, things like the six attributes. Uh, Adam, if you wanted to kind of talk about those a bit.
2: Yeah, so it's going to be your six really traditional attributes that you would um, see in most or in, in a lot of games, I should say. So you have your strength, mm-hmm. your dexterity, your constitution, intelligence, wisdom, uh, and charisma. And uh, and then everything is kind of based off of those attributes. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: the really fun thing about this is that you don't roll for your attributes. Um, Depending on the character playbook that you choose, uh, certain attributes start at a specific level, and then the worksheet that we're going to be going through that is unique to each playbook, will be adding bonuses to each attribute for each step that we complete, uh, which is really cool. Uh, It's a, it's a pretty unique way of seeing of creating characters. Yeah, I agree. So another thing that we might need to keep in mind is how skills work in this game?
2: Yes. Yeah. So how skills work is um, there's not a it's not traditional in that there's not a comprehensive list of skills. Um, And if you play in a long term campaign as characters level, you may have to or you may have some flexibility in terms of kind of coming up with um, with different skills that represent what you want your character to be able to do. But basically how, how skills work when with everything except for combat and savings throws is that you're doing um, what would be a, an ability score uh, test or ability score check. And that is... Um, uh, how you're going to accomplish you know a- any random thing, whether you're picking a lock or busting a door down, those types of things. So you can roll uh, a d20 and you're successful if you um, roll at your ability score or lower. Um, and then, of course, the game master can add modifiers if things are more difficult. If it's a particularly difficult lock, maybe they give you a minus five penalty on it. And that penalty would go then towards your attribute uh, because you have to get uh, lower than, than that score. So there are skills in the game. Um, and when we do our character playbooks, we will get skills. And how skills work is it's going to add plus two by default uh, to um, anything that a skill could be relevant towards. So there is some going to be – the players and the game master are going to have to work together a little bit in terms of determining, is this relevant in this particular um, scenario? Okay. My character has an ancient lore skill. Does that apply in knowing how, um, you know, to deal with these fairies or something to that effect? So, um, so there's some, some kind of give and take there, but by default, it's going to be a plus two bonus. And then if you get, if you end up with a skill twice, it becomes a plus four and so on. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's how generally how, how skills work in the game yeah and it caps at 19. yes Mm -hmm. yes,
0: the only way to fail is then to roll a natural 20. yes so it's kind of opposite like a natural one in this game when you're doing skill checks is the best you can do Mm -hmm. um whereas a a natural 20 is pretty much a guaranteed failure almost Mm mm-hmm
2: so, And that's one thing is, is that um, they ad- ad- address in the book as well. If some people are uncomfortable with uh, a lower number being better, there are some rules for how you can kind of uh, flip that. The reason being is that in combat and savings throws, rolling ha- higher is better. And as, as they discuss in the book, so, some people are uncomfortable with a natural one being excellent in some scenarios and terrible in other scenarios. Uh, yeah. So. So there are rules that you can reverse that if you want. But in general, ability checks, you want to roll low. And combat and savings throws, you want to roll high. Mm-hmm. And
0: I think the last concept uh, to cover is fortune points.
2: Yes. So fortune points represent luck. They're uh, something that only the heroes uh, will have. And what fortune points allow you to do, they do a, a couple of um, things. Um, one is that if you um, want to help uh, a teammate in completing a task um, when they're making an the ability score check, you normally can only uh, assist them if you have the skill, and then you add your bonus, I believe, to um, to their role. If you don't have a skill, you can't help, but you can use uh, fortune points um, to be able to do that, and then you give them a plus two. Uh, on that roll, mm-hmm. there are other things that it can be uh, used for would be if you want to re-roll so you get a second chance they call it um, on a failed uh, roll, or then there's also a cheating death which is uh, to stabilize yourself when you get to uh, zero hit points and you know mm-hmm. prevent yourself from basically bleeding out and whatnot yeah.
1: How are fortune points determined? Do you start with a set pool of them, and then they just go down, or can you like earn them or acquire them? Do they reset?
2: Yeah. So uh, every character, and on on the playbook, it'll tell you how many fortune points that you start with. Um, so some
1: people are luckier than others.
2: Yes. Exactly. Yep. That's so, really neat. Yep. Yeah. So uh, the default, I believe, is three. Mm-hmm. Um, would be uh, most typical. Um, and then once you spend them, you don't get them back except for between adventures. So if you play, mm-hmm. if you're just playing for the night, you won't ever get them back. But if you use these characters again in a future adventure, then you would replenish those fortune points at that point. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: That's a lot kinder than Monster of the Week.
2: <laughs> yeah. <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Right. And then, so rogue characters um, will have what's called fortune's favor and then they typically would start with five uh fortune points instead Mm -hmm. so that's one of the um, advantages of playing a rogue type character Mm -hmm.
0: and i think it's elves um since they're like kind of at the end of their time in the world Mm -hmm. their fortune is down one yeah so they'll start with like two or four depending on the the archetype they kind of take yes Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's, there's a lot of different uh, combinations that they have in this game. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what we come up with. Yeah. Is there anything else that you think we might need to know before we hop into creation, Adam?
2: Uh, no, I think that, that gives us kind of the, the base of everything. All right. Uh, are we ready to make some people? You bet. All right. Let's make some
0: people. Let's make some people. All right. So um, I, in the outline, I have a link to a blank fillable character sheet if you wanted to use that. Um, right a, otherwise, if you have one printed off, you can feel free to use that. Um, and then, Alex, I sent you. Um, let me see if I have a it.
1: big here. long list of, of guys. There's great. a
0: big long list. Oh, it's so many. Um, there is l- so many different playbooks in all of the like expansions and the free. I expansions saw that and stuff. it was
1: quite a great deal.
0: Mm -hmm. But uh, what's really cool is that uh, they're kind of all segregated by three main things, whether they're a mage, a rogue or warrior or a combination of those. So if you have kind of the, like, thought, like, "Mm, I kind of want to be a a rogue, you can just go and focus in on all the rogue archetypes.
1: Now, I see on this character sheet that we still have um, alignment, which is interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that, like, how heavily does that play into this game, or how heavily does it have to play into this game?
2: In, so far in our experience, at least in my experience, it hasn't played a a major factor. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. The alignment is, is... um, the old uh, chaos neutral sure. lawful. So there's no good or evil, and they mm-hmm. they point out in, in the uh, in the book that uh, of course law does not necessarily mean good, and chaos does not necessarily mean evil. Um, mm-hmm. And then they also point out that most characters will be neutral, and if as you're making your character, you're not really sure which way you want to go, they recommend uh, being being neutral yeah it's
0: definitely a simplified system compared to D &D, for sure yeah um i i I personally like it better it's it's a very like quick way of kind of seeing which way which side of the the law or which side of uh mischief i guess you you lay on you know Mm -hmm. yeah i i i probably am most comfortable with neutral for my characters but i i was looking through the the archetypes and it it said that elves generally leaned chaotic uh, because of their fey ancestry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which is interesting. Yeah, uh, but obviously you don't need to be bound by that at all.
1: We get right. into a whole big conversation about like racial alignment and bonuses and all the reasons why they are. Um, hopefully a dying feature of the industry. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm not going to commandeer your podcast that you have so graciously invited me onto <laughs> just to start a fight.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. No, absolutely. Um, what's neat about this is I don't believe there's any like racial bonuses or modifiers in this game. Um it's it's all kind of flavor at that point, if I remember correctly. Like some some characters
2: get a little bit different mm-hmm.
0: of things but they all kind of balance to about the same
2: yeah yeah i i don't um i'm trying to think because we in in our group that we're playing with we have one elf and, and one halfling and i'm trying to yeah. uh, recall some of the specifics it, it doesn't l- lay heavily onto um the characters i think one thing i remember if i remember correctly with halflings they have a, a very low like maximum strength or something to that effect uh mm. Yeah, that might be one of the very uh, few things. Yeah. There there it's not um it's not overwhelming. I know that in terms of mm-hmm. what what uh, changes with the, the different races.
0: Yeah. And it's really it doesn't really come into play too much I would imagine. Cool. Oh. Depending on how you want to gear your character cuz when I was uh making the character and playing with the campaign um I was like, "Oh wait, charisma all the way if I can." and uh turns out i i rolled the right things on the progression and i would have ended up with 20 charisma but <laughs> it, but the nice. max is 19 so i was like okay well i guess i lost a point somewhere whatever
1: <laughs> well uh this conversation gave me just enough time to copy my character sheet onto a post-it note
0: <laughs> oh <fun>. so, <laughs> nice. cool
1: i am now ready to go
0: that works absolutely
1: trying to manage Um, everything off my phone, and that was not working, so I needed a hard copy somewhere.
0: Mm -hmm. So I kind of have an idea of what I wanted to do for my character. Um, Did you have anything that popped out at you, Alex or Adam?
1: Um, You know, I really don't have any strong feelings. Uh, When when it comes to character creation in general, um, I have a tendency to find a playbook I really, really like and then sort of try to turn it on his head as much as I possibly can <laughs> which is maybe not ideal for a game like where we're trying to demo, you know, what the system is intended to design. So uh-huh. um, I'm more than happy to sort of fill in the gaps after we come up with like what the other parts of our team look like. Um, okay. That's kind of something that I find enjoyable. I like to see what the layout of the group will be and then maybe be like, ah, well, what can I offer that's kind of unique mm-hmm. and different? So
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. And that
1: might be cool too because then we'll see if I can avoid falling into the same tropes that I usually fall into when I'm making characters.
0: (laughs) It's always the fun part of this show. (laughs) Uh, So I was thinking uh, of going with a warrior rogue, um, specifically the heir to a legend, uh, which I believe is one of the uh, expandable playbooks that you can get for free. Mm -hmm. Um, And this one is... uh, this is what it says about the playbook. Your father has always told you stories of how great a hero he was. Many of the other villagers scoff at his stories and pity you for being raised by such a liar. But you know that he is true and honest. Now you have his sword, a mighty weapon of power, and you will make a name for yourself to make him proud. So I, I start with this uh, pretty cool magical sword that grows in power as I gain levels. That's awesome. Uh, which is really really sweet um yeah and i i i guess i would be a pretty decent fighter uh in the party
1: i would hope so with that magic sword (laughs) (laughs) very cool yeah that rules
2: all right how about you adam okay i think then i'll go with um i'll go with the self-taught mage uh, playbook so um this is one of the playbooks that comes uh, with the main book um And uh, the description here is, you were always a bright child. You loved stories of ancient wizards and sorceresses who mastered the arcane arts. Unfortunately, there was no one around to teach you such things. In fact, sometimes you wondered if the stories of magic were even true. And so that kind of gives us a little glimpse into the the low magic or, or, or low fantasy aspect of the game. When you came of age, you found an ancient tome and decided to find out for yourself. You're the brightest child in the village. Your intelligence begins at 12, and all your other ability scores begin at 8. Wow, 12 off the bat. Goodness. Mm-hmm. That's awesome.
1: Okay, cool. So we have a warrior rogue, we have a mage. Mm-hmm. So that really sort of at least partially covers like all the bases, right? Because there's like warriors, yep. rogues, and mages, and then combinations of the three. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. So let's see. What can I do here?
0: So let's see. Like, like rogues will be a lot more skilled, like mm-hmm. a, something that's pure rogue or something that has the highly skilled um, trait. Um, Ooh, I know is... what I want to
1: be. Oh, go for it. <laughs> and this is um, exactly me following into every single trope that I always fall into. So I didn't avoid <laughs> it after all. But you know what? Life happens. We find the things <laughs> that we like and we like them. So um, I'm going to play the trickster fox.
2: Ooh. That's really Which is cool. a
1: rogue mage.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So the trickster fox is born to ordinary foxes. (laughs) There was always something otherworldly and magical about you. You grew up in a distant forest, but have come to the village now and befriended humans. You live with the witch who finds you a useful companion, but the youth of the village are your true friends. You have much to show them about the world. You are swift and quick-witted, but lack hands. (laughs) People (laughs) often (laughs) misunderstand you. Your dexterity begins at 13, your intelligence begins at 10, and your strength begins at 5. All your other ability scores begin at 8.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, That's really so cool.
1: I think the thing that I do think is really fun about this, actually, is that it's not like you're um, like a Kitsune or something who is like a mm-hmm. human incarnation. You are you are just actually a fox, mm-hmm. uh-huh. which I think <laughs> rules.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that is really cool. Yeah, and, and uh-huh. I know at least in the Chronicles of Perdain that um comes up with uh where we have talking animals and intelligent animals okay. and those types of things so you can kind of see that um that influence there too so that's really cool um that's definitely one of the the um more uh, f- flavorful uh, playbooks I think
0: mhm that's that's an amazing poll that's that's this is going to be a fun group I think <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh let's see I am the heir to a legend it's uh, a very grandiose title, but I'll take it. Um, okay, so now that we have our playbooks, uh, let me send you the link to the playbook for the the trickster, uh, because there is a little worksheet that we have to follow through. Okay. Cool. Um, that will give us all of our uh, background stuff. I think that's under was it fantastic creatures maybe elders. I have to find it.
2: Are you looking for for which of the uh, supplements and whatnot? Yeah, it's um. I think that was one of them that's downloadable on Drive Through RPG. Um, I'm trying to recall, or maybe I had found it just. I'm sorry. Give me one moment
0: as well. Oh, well, sure. We'll edit this out in post.
2: I'll leave it in. Leave it in. <laughs> <laughs> um it could have been right on the uh the flatland games website i know i remember there was a couple of things that were not on drive through rpg a couple of of um free supplements and that, mm-hmm. that one might have been one of them um
1: did i pick like the most obscure and hard to find
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh the unusual playbook i think it is yeah that could no. be tales and paws maybe Maybe that's the one there it is. It's under tails and paws An Aww, unusual cute. playbook. Um, so I'm going to pop this right into our, um, our Google drive and then I'll send you a link.
1: Awesome.
0: Tails and paws. Doo-doo-doo. File and File unreadable. I don't like that. Maybe if I extract it first, that might be a good idea. There you go. You should have it now.
1: Perfect.
0: Cool. This, this is the part that I love the absolute mo- most about uh, character creation um probably more than village creation uh, which is saying a lot because I, I absolutely love me some uh, some collaborative world building mm-hmm. I agree okay, so
2: these are some
1: long playbooks. <laughs>
0: They are, but they're they're not at the same time. It's just you have like, what, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven things to roll on. And that gives you a, a background of your characters. So like each playbook is completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like you got a, a whole section of how did you come to the lands of men uh, sort of questions. And then how did you learn to become part of the human village for the second set? Mm-hmm. which is really cool. Um, and then for mine, uh, what was my childhood like, followed by uh, what have I learned? Um, and then these these are basically like, where did you come from and how did you get here? Cool. Effectively. Um, and if I remember correctly, uh, you roll on each table, um, but you have one chance to
2: select an option on one of the tables yep if you so choose yes yeah that's uh the rule that they recommend one time you can either ignore your role and just pick something else or just um if you have see something you absolutely want you can do that uh, one time and they they also kind of point out at least with um the the standard villager characters which um uh, and I can't recall exactly what the trickster fox's playbook looks like, but I think for the, for the, um, the characters Ryan and I are playing, there's gonna be, um, a couple of childhood tables and they, they say, well, you know, that could kind of influence, um, what kind of character, um, and, mm-hmm. you know, if you have a certain thing in mind, you know, their background, that might be a higher impact area. I mean, uh, if your chance like,
1: really cool, you can probably just make your character the way you want your character to be, right?
2: Oh, yeah. Would it, However, the group, <laughs> I mean, if the group wants to do it that way, I mean, I I, I don't see why, why you wouldn't, um, uh-huh. why you would say, no, don't, don't do it that way. So I do love a just... random table.
1: I really do. Uh-huh. I think oh, they're yeah. a great and wonderful thing that can encourage you to take your character in some directions you never thought of before.
2: Yeah. But also but
1: sometimes, like, you're the one who's going to be spending time running around in this skin, right? You want to love it.
2: Yeah, Yep. <laughs> and it, I think the reason the default rules are, are, you know, hey, roll on these tables is because what they have in mind is that, okay, we're going to get all this done. Uh, and we're going to build all these characters. And we're going to play this adventure in, you know, four right. hours or five hours. Yeah. And this allows you, you know, the... Um, If you're kind of – if everybody's kind of picking off of every table, which is totally fine, but it might take you a little while longer. Totally. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's something
1: really kind of great and beautiful about, like – Picking a playbook in five minutes that appeals to you and then like rolling down a random set of circumstances and then still managing to find something in there that like really resonates with you and gets you excited about the character. Like that's a really cool, cool thing. And I don't want to undersell that just by being snarky and saying that I love and would die for my trickster fox and want to know everything about them intimately right away.
2: (laughs) Right. But I think if for sure, if you're doing a uh, if you're no right off the bat, the group is they're gonna do a campaign, I would I could totally see that being uh, an excellent way to do it too. It's just hey, everybody mm-hmm. pick whatever you think sounds the most interesting, you know for your character for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool, All right. Um, And then one other thing to note uh, before we start on this journey, um, there are different symbols next to each uh, or some of
2: the blocks. Mm -hmm. There's a scroll and a hand. Mm -hmm. You want to
0: tell us what those are all about, Adam?
2: Yeah. So um, when you get to a table with um, a scroll, um, you're going to make your roll. And then what you do is the game master is going to have a, um, they're going to have a piece of paper that represents the village and it starts with the in in the middle and then you are going to add a location uh, to the map now it could be inspired by whatever you rolled uh, for instance um, if your table uh, indicates something about the blacksmith shop maybe you decide hey We know there's a blacksmith uh, shop. Let's put it right on uh, the map here. But Mm -hmm. if you have something in particular um, that's completely unrelated to what you rolled on that table, you can do that too. So it doesn't have to be related to whatever you roll. Mm -hmm. When you get to an area that has a hand after you roll on uh, that table you're going to add an NPC to the list. Oh, yeah. Hey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you come yeah. up with something, somebody that lives in that village, and that could also, again, be inspired by whatever you rolled on that table. But if you have something in mind that you want to add that is completely unrelated to the table, you could go ahead and do that too. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they recommend is, hey, uh, since we got an inn, um, that starts in the middle uh, of, the, of the sheet you can always just put down an innkeeper right away at the top of the list and you know mm-hmm. the group can discuss that if they want um that's just one thing that they kind of throw out there so yeah absolutely kind of build off of that so as it, when uh if you're playing with the scenario packs uh while while the players are building these characters the game master is also writing down on his scenario pack there's going to be some tables that have some blank spots and he's going to be mm-hmm. writing in these different npcs and then if he's making he or she is making an adventure on the fly they're gonna um maybe roll on some of these tables and you know what uh, which npc um had encountered uh the villain previously and they can roll on their table and then you know the character that somebody came up with the blacksmith they're the one that had encountered the villain or or whatnot Mm -hmm. so gives them a way to kind of improv um as they go to
0: all right um so let's let's just go round robin style through these questions shall we cool let's learn a bit about our characters and and we'll roll and and see what we get and tell the audience uh how our characters are uh, progressing as they go sounds uh, good any particular person want to start otherwise i'm ready to roll
1: go so. for it man
0: yeah i'm going
3: gotta read some show blurbs
0: show blurbs show blurbs show blurbs show blurbs character creation cast is hosted by the one shot podcast network if you enjoyed our show visit oneshotpodcast.com, where you will find other great shows like modifier
3: Modifier is an interview show hosted by Megan Dornbrock, all about why and how people change games. From the hobbyist to the professional, from house rules to publication, we all have in mind a better way to play. What's yours?